Yeah, no, you could tell. I was really excited for this question <laughs> where the conversation took us. But this is the whole idea of a people first approach, right? When you come up with a new idea, a new process, we come up with all these logistics steps, right? To be efficient and be productive. But we always do all of that. What is the capacity and the human capital we need? And how does our human capital need to show up to be able to achieve those goals, right? Because for so often and so many of us have thought about that second is really a mindset shift in the business world. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian, and I am very happy that you are with me here today. We are going to be talking to my good friend, Joelle Monaco, about something that is important to her and to, I think, all of us. We're going to be talking about a serious subject, and that is mental health. Let's face it, over the past year, you, me, Joelle, all of us have been through some stuff. I think you would agree with me on that. And it has been taxing in so many ways, many of which we might not have even acknowledged. But mental health is a serious topic that we need to bring out into the open. So Joelle is an expert on this. She is somebody who spends her time dealing with this subject every single day. Her expertise expands over 10 years in organizational development she possesses extensive experience in planning, directing, and training enhancements for both employee and organizational success around this topic. So we are going to talk about what we as individuals can do, what we as leaders can do, and what organizations can do to better mental wellness for everyone. So we are going to dig in and talk to an expert to see how we all can be better. Let's meet Joelle Monaco. Joelle, how are you? I am doing great, Brian. How are you doing? I am doing super well. Thank you for coming back to be on Lead with Impact. We were just talking that this is your third appearance counting the episodes that you were on with Tom. I know, I feel like I'm a superstar on here, but it's honestly my pleasure every time, Brian, to come on and get to talk to your listeners and hear you know, what they say after they hear the episode. So it's my pleasure and I'm so excited for today's conversation. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on here and um, super excited and grateful, so thank you. I would love to talk today about a serious subject, but I know it's one that is your passion, and that is mental health in the workplace. So maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing right now and what your role is to help people, and then maybe we can talk about what's going on in the world. Yeah, so yeah, it's my you know passion is you know really 
workplace settings. And then when you're able to combine in mental health and the behavioral health se sector to really look at when we talk about workplace wellness in a much grand, uh, wider spectrum, there's so many different things. So I help and support businesses to, you know, really identify what are wellness initiatives and address mental health challenges. So that means training, you know, leaders and team members about mental health and wellness in the workplace. Not only, you know, what is it, why is it important, but how do we really engage and support our team members in a holistic fashion so that they are better able to show up for the work and for themselves and not to mention for the community. So it's something that I've been doing and I've been in the field for, I think, over eight years. So it's something that I have the privilege to do every day. And I think, you know, we'll jump into this, but, you know, more recently, Recently, within the last eight months, I think it's become a topic that has become so much more relevant in the business world, and we're really catching up and making some headway. So let's jump into that, and I'm going to ask you a question, which is probably going to make you want to yell at me, but I'm asking it because I think it's an important way to start this conversation. Why should organizations and businesses care about mental health in the workplace? All right. So you asked my question, right? Here goes my elevator speech. So, you know, in everything I do, I say, you know, businesses and employees are the most valuable asset. They all show up with their own experiences, assets, and purpose. And everything you do in your business revolves around your people. You don't have products, you don't have services, and you don't have widgets without your people. And long are, you know, the days where we used to say, oh, you know, our team members leave their baggage at the door or they leave their personal life at the door. You know, that's long gone. We know there is so much overlap. And I often reference to as like the synergy between work and life, right? It's all integrated. And what is impacting us and allowing us to be able to connect it in the workplace is our health and wellness. And more importantly, is our mental health and wellness. And, you know, generationally, we haven't learned much about our mental health and wellness. So, when we start to talk about mental health and the impacts on the workplace, employees just can't show up if they're not taking good care of themselves. So for employers to say, well, we're not going to worry about that or we'll worry about it later, you're almost putting off the inevitable conversation. You know, all of us are managing mental health and stressors every day. I think we can all identify those more so now than ever before. But what is our workplace doing to make us feel supported? provide us with resources and keep us engaged in, you know, a safe place. What about the company that says we're here just to work and we don't care about what's going on outside. Like you're, you're you said, mm -hmm. that's the old adage, right? What happens outside work stays outside work. And they say, as long as people are coming in and getting their work done, that's what's really important. Well, I say to them, the leading cause for lost productivity across the world, all industries, all sizes worldwide is depression. And what the World Health Organization has put out that it's a costing the global economy $1 trillion each year in lost productivity related to things like depression and anxiety. So if, yeah, you might have people sitting at their desks, 
they might physically be standing there, but are they actually engaged? Are they actually connected to the work they're doing? And are they ha- do they have the opportunity to be creative? But because if they're distracted by everything going on outside or, you know, different things that are pulling them in different directions, yeah, they can physically be there, which is great. You know, you have somebody sitting in a seat, but what are they actually doing for your business? So true. And you made me think, you know, in my work, I speak a lot about employee engagement. That's what I do. And I think the latest Gallup polls are something near 70% of the workforce is disengaged. That, and that was, pre, that was pre-COVID. My guess is it's much more right now. In my world, I approach that from a standpoint of coming to companies and saying, do a better job engaging your employees, be a better place to work, mm-hmm. listen more, all those things. And that's going yep. to go up. But there is also an undeniable truth, which you just brought up, that you could do all those things, but if you have someone who, because of maybe totally outside factors, is depressed or is not mentally well, it is going to be hard to engage them and bring them up to full productivity, no matter how many foosball tables or ping pong tables you put in your workplace. You got it. And I think, you know, we both, and I'm sure, you know, I experience this every so often, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners do just think about, you know, in the last eight months, you might've had maybe a family member experiencing something, or maybe it was something you saw on TV and you were just feeling really overwhelmed. And then think about that day when you went into work, like, were you able to actually focus and chances are you probably weren't, you probably didn't do that great. Or if you're like me, some days I just say, okay, I'm going to tap out take a rest and start over tomorrow. And, you know, we're all experiencing it. So it's not even, you know, just individuals experience, you know, with a mental health diagnosis, we all have mental health and it's compromised from day to day, depending upon factors. But I think now we have, we're understanding in a much greater spectrum that it's not just individuals with a diagnosis, it's all of us. How can a company objectively assess how their workplace is doing in regards to mental health. This one's a tough one. You know, there's no golden egg uh, answer for this. And I think it's a lot of the same questions, you know, you ask and engagement, and it really is kind of an engagement piece because it's asking your employees, asking them what they need. And I feel and see sometimes when we have certain teams or certain initiatives, it comes from the top down, which, okay, There's certain experiences that the top will experience, but creating almost teams and groups that really focus on wellness in the workplace. And they do it from a multidimensional approach. So that's inclusive of, you know, the eight dimensions of wellness on SAMHSA. So you can go Google that, you know, that's financial stability and education. That's mental health and wellness, spiritual, like purpose. So a lot of times I say it's start from a broader spectrum, ask the people you know, your team, what they need and what they would feel supported in. And also give it time because I think that's one of the biggest challenges with businesses putting into place maybe mental health and wellness initiatives. They take time. You're overcoming years of stigma of people being told, don't talk about your mental health, don't seek treatment. And now in the workplace, we're saying, please come, let us help you. And, you know, people are torn with, should I, shouldn't I, what should I do? So, you know, ask but also know it's gonna take a little bit of time. I was trying to get at, and thank you for that answer. I was trying to get at 
the mental point that a company or a CEO would have to reach in order to say, we should address this. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like maybe if I'm interpreting what you're telling me right, that if you have humans working for you, this is something you should be thinking about. 120%. Exactly. It's not for a certain industry. It's not for a certain business. And it shouldn't be a reactive model, right? I talk a lot about being proactive versus reactive. And if you're reacting in a reactive manner, you've already missed the boat. You know, it's going to take, it's not to say that you can't go backwards, but it's going to take a lot of work. And a lot of times people recognize maybe mental health or in the workplace when it's a crisis, right? People are burnt out. People are taking extended vacations. Maybe they're taking leave of absence or they've just left. So I think you have to think of it more of a reactive and an investment. We invest in a lot of things in the business world. We invest in technology. We invest in research and development. We really have to invest in our people and know it's a long game. We're not playing a short game when we start to talk about investment, especially in the mental health and wellness. It's a long game and we're going to have to wait to see those returns, but they will pay, you know, many times over. If you think about it, you could almost even approach it from an angle of asking a company, a CEO, an HR department, do you want to employ healthy employees or unhealthy employees? Yeah. Or even that, you know, when I start digging, there are so many impacts on controllable cost. And, you know, coming from the business background, you know, businesses are always looking to reduce costs, right? For safety, on-the-job safety incidences, right? Those are increased because of lack of sleep, which could be attributed to stress. Then when we look at Healthcare benefits, right? What are common deductibles that you're paying through your insurance provider? Are there a lot of chronic conditions? Chronic conditions co-occur, which means happen at the same time as a lot of mental health diagnoses or mental health challenges. So, you know, when you start to look and dig a little bit deeper, every company will see this, you know, they'll start to see a lot of similarities and they'll start to be able to draw some of these lines for sure. I wonder even if you could get it simply from a standpoint of PTO and sick days. Yep, you definitely can. And the biggest challenge sometimes when I, you know, we talk about this topic are so many people call out sick, right? Are they, you know, take a day off and they say, oh, I've got a doctor's appointment or I'm just taking a day off. But maybe, and it's also internal, right? Because we don't recognize it internally. We've never been taught to really talk about or identify these feelings. Maybe it's because we had a huge project. We're so overwhelmed and we don't feel well. Like physically, we don't feel well. Our stomach's killing us. We've got a pounding migraine. So we take the day off and we identify that as a physical because that's how it presents. And that's how we most often recognize it. But it may very well be due to on you know, untreated, unmanaged stress and its impact on our bodies. So when you look at, you know, PTO, and I also look at presenteeism, so people actually there, but not hitting productivity lines, you can definitely start to tie a lot of lines together there. We almost joke about the term mental health day, but to your point, I mean, sometimes it might just be too much. And if that person's mental health isn't being taken seriously, if it's not being addressed, some days going to work and dealing with everything you have to deal with might just be too much. And 
my guess is that's going to happen a lot more with people who are depressed and people who are not as well mentally as they could be. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, we're people, we can only handle so much. And this is something we have a tendency to put a lot on our plates. And I think within the last eight months, people have been taking a little bit off, which is nice. Some have been adding, but we can only manage so much. We can only get so much done in 24 hours. We can only serve so many people in all of our various identities that we play. And, you know, it's so much of it. We've always, we've never really talked about in the workplace. We've always said, oh, I'm sick. I don't feel well. But a lot of times when, you know, friends or family will come to me and they'll say, oh, my stomach's killing me. I just, you know, I can't get out of this funk. And I'll, I'll start by saying what's going on at work. And a lot of times, you know, the shock factor's gone, right? They, they'll say, well, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, what are you doing at work? Well, I just have this big project or we have this big initiative we're kicking off. And people don't realize they're carrying that and not actually taking care of themselves and get rid of, getting rid of that stress or managing the workflow at work. Well, you raise a really interesting point, and maybe that's one of the co-benefits of taking mental health seriously in the workplace, is not only are you providing a program and way for pe- people to get healthier mentally, but it may change the very way that you run projects. It may change, again, the culture, coming back into my world, yep. the whole culture. Yep. Because, and this is, yep, go ahead, sorry, Brian. <laughs> Because once you start to view things from a lens of I want to do this in a way that's going to keep people healthy, that might be a far different project than let's get it done the most quickly or let's make sure we're cranking out the numbers. Although those are still important. I think that slight change may definitely change the way you do things for the better. Yeah, no, you could tell I was really excited for this question <laughs> where the conversation took us. But this is the whole idea of a people first approach, right? When you come up with a new idea, a new process, we come up with all these logistics steps, right? To be efficient and be productive. But we always do all of that. And then at the end, we're like, oh, who do we need to fill this position? Who do we need to make this happen? But what happens if we started at the front end and said, realistically to do this, how many people will we need? What skills, talents, and will we need at the front end? And that's leading from a people first approach and starting kind of to break down how we do things and reset the culture of you know planning when we're thinking about operations, projects, or goals. What is the capacity and the human capital we need And how does our human capital need to show up to be able to achieve those goals, right? Because for so often, and so many of us have thought about that second, is really a mindset shift in the business world. For the better. Yeah, no, 100%. Because if you're thinking about people and you're, you know, kind of delegating and playing to people's strengths, not only are your team members going to be way more excited to take part in projects, but they're actually going to feel like, you value them, you, you've considered them, you think about them, and you've made an informed decision. It's not just, it's the 11th hour and we've got to get it done. Come on in and just finish up. And we're still going through that evolution, Joelle, as I'm sure you would probably agree, in the type of work that we're doing and the importance of mental health and engagement. I mean, I don't need to tell you this, or probably my listeners, but back in the industrial age, Nobody really cared if you were depressed or not, as long as you could come in and swing a hammer or turn the lever on the machine or whatever you had to do, you showed up and you did it. But work looks much different these days. 
And when you're asking for innovation and collaboration and emotional involvement, it's hard to do those things when you are not all in. Yeah. Now, you know, when we talked about, and this has been a huge evolution, when we talk about workplace safety, before it was always around physical safety, but now it includes psychologically safe workspaces, right? So that includes workplace programs, practices, and policies. And you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners being in the business world, when was there ever a course about emotional intelligence, right? When was there ever a course about listening effectively or practicing empathy and gratitude? And as leaders, those are like some skills that we use every single day and that we have to keep focusing on and developing to be able to lead really progressive and, you know, high achieving teams. So big picture, we've established that workplaces should care about mental health. They shouldn't hide their heads in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. We need to realize it's a real thing and that if you employ humans, they are going to have mental health challenges along with regular health challenges and wellness encompasses all of that. Is that a good summary? The only word I'm going to change is should to have to. They have to. Have to. All right, good. Have to. So here's the big picture. I want macro level first, and then maybe we can come down to the micro level. The macro question is, what the heck do we do about it? Yeah, it's, and you know, it's a multi-tiered because it is macro and micro, but it's also so many things because you have to really take a step back look at the culture, and you have to invest proactively. So that means programming, services, benefits. That also means accommodations. Mental health is protected under the American Disabilities Act, but do your leaders know and understand what a reasonable accommodation is in your workplace, right? A lot of times when I say this to leaders, all of a sudden you see the looks to the left, looks to the right of like, did you know this? And majority of times these reasonable accommodations cost little to nothing, Right. But how are we communicating that and empowering our leaders to not fear talking about mental health and wellness in the workplace? Because we don't want them to be so fearful that someone will experience a mental health challenge or what what do I do? You know, but know that there's the resources available. So I think it's looking at the culture and how do we really integrate this into those mission, vision, values and everything we do. But I also think then it's kind of looking at once you've assessed that. What types of services do you provide? Leadership training, right? You're always talking about this and there's so much training that you can give leaders. EAPs, employee assistance programs, ERNs, leave work. And talking about what does it mean when you take a leave of absence? You know, it's so negative. It's always negative connotation or it's leaders have no idea when an employee takes a leave of absence. What do I do when they come back? right? It's just like a mythical thing that everything's just going to snap back and everybody's going to keep moving. So I guess that gets a little bit more micro. What can they do? But I think it's, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, financial, understanding the financial benefits, but really getting your leadership teams buy-in. You have a lot of stakeholders in every business, right? You might report to a board, you might have leadership. So I think, you know, understanding how does it fit into your mission, vision, value, but also education. You can't, lead from behind the eight ball and you can't make people be engaged. They have to see why they should be engaged. And that goes back to the should. (laughs) And, you know, I think there's a lot of different things you can use analytics and data, but, you know, I think sometimes you have to remember with humans, we're kind of, you never know what to expect. So you can't look at an algorithm necessarily and know that you're seeing investment and 
everybody's going to interact with the program a little bit differently. So a lot of times I tell businesses, it's going to take a few years. You know, if you're really invested in this and you're going to make it part of your business and look at your employees as humans, as they show up good, bad, and indifferent, it's going to take a few years. So that might scare some listeners a few years. It's going to take some investment and it's also going to take time for people to actually feel comfortable to reach out. I agree that it might take a few years to see the benefits and people will always be skeptical at first, especially Mm -hmm. to your point earlier, if they're moving from a very unhealthy culture, the unhealthier the culture is, the more skeptical people will be about reaching out for help and trusting the help. Although that might seem counterintuitive, you're thinking really unhealthy organizations, people would be dying for help, but it's been my experience that when it's really unhealthy, people don't trust anyone. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it might take a while, but while you are the expert and I will go with what you say, it seems to me that it would not take years for people to understand that the tides are changing for the better and that that the company really does care and we're starting to do something. hundred percent. And, you know, every little bit I think is better than doing nothing. And, you know, you kind of said it too, a lot of employees in, what we call toxic work environments, right? There's no trust. People are waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's a form of trauma, right? Whether people recognize it or not, you know, trauma is anything that a person identifies as traumatic, but toxic work environments are a traumatic experience. And they take an extensive amount of time for to build that trust back up. But knowing and seeing even that small percentage of change and that small, you know, investment in them as humans and their workplace is a any place to start is a good spot. And I think, again, this shifts over to the culture and even leadership part again, but it's so relevant. I think this really reframes the way that companies have to think about their managers. Because if you have a manager who quote unquote, brings home the bacon (laughs) and is maybe great at sales or great at running meetings or great at process, but they are creating an unhealthy work environment. That is a net loss at the end of the day. And we see this a lot, right? Because as a top seller, they grow, right? And this is one of the biggest barriers I have is a lot of times managers become managers because they're good at doing a task or a skill but it takes training and development to develop them into a leader. And some people are not meant to be leaders and it's okay. It's, and I think that's also something when we look at like the workplace setup, not everybody's dreams, hopes, and goals are to be a leader of a team and everybody's skills. They're not just built. They don't have the equipment or, you know, the tools and resources to get there. And we also have to recognize that because one person can bring down an entire team. And I'm sure some people on the call have experienced them, one person bringing down an entire business, right? Because we know that type of environment where people don't know what to expect. They're not gonna stay very long. They might stay you know, a few years, but chances are they're gonna leave. And with them goes intellectual properties, knowledge and relationships. So it's money leaving your door either way. Absolutely. So let's bring it down to the micro. Actually, before we do that, another question. Of course. And we've sort of skirted around this, but I have not asked you directly. How has the pandemic changed things? Have you seen, do you have tangible numbers? What what are you seeing? 
So tangible numbers are a unicorn at this moment. Uh, <laughs> so with global pandemic and social unrest, we are seeing numbers very high than what we see typically. And I should say that we're also seeing reports come out from all different avenues from within the business world that have never talked about mental health, stress awareness, re raising the awareness, but also talking about what resources are available. With statistics, it takes us a few years to get them. It'll be really interesting. And also, the behavioral health world, how do we assess that? Because obviously this is something we've never seen or experienced before. But I will say in general, we're seeing increase in numbers to, you know, warm lines, people just needing someone to talk to, suicide prevention hotlines. Outreach for training and development is astronomical, right? People are looking for resources because now it's not just a few of our team members in need, it's all of us in need for whatever that day may bring. And on top of that, I'll be very curious, another layer is this whole move to remote work. People are losing a whole part of their social networks where we used to have our water cooler conversations and you would talk to the person in the office next to you five times a day about this, that, and the other thing. And that was ripped away from a lot of us. Yeah. And well, and then the other thing is we're trying to figure out how do we reintegrate it if we do reintegrate it. But then when you pile on that generational differences, right? There's so many, we have five working generations in the workforce and that with, you know, the change in social interaction in the workplace, it's inevitable. It does increase stress, right? We have individuals using platforms, technologies that they've never used before, or for lack thereof, they're stuck in their house, seven days a week, which has its own impacts without even adding in the workplace piece. So short answer to all that, I think, is that mental health has taken a turn for the worse in all of this. It's taken over, I, and I always look at it half full, you know me, you know, it has, we're seeing people being, their mental health being compromised much more, but it's also increased the awareness in ways that we would have never have been able to do without the pandemic. People are so much more aware and open to talk about mental health platforms in open forums in the community than they ever were before. So it also gives me hope that people are mo feeling more that they can reach out and they can actually access resources without the fear of the stigma. Most before pre-pandemic and pre-social unrest, most people didn't reach out because they felt like they were the only one or that people would judge them. And now with so many people reaching out and so many people talking, it's my hope that yes, there might be an increased need, but that we also have more people reaching out for sources of support and getting the help that they need much earlier than ever before. So now to the micro level, if someone is listening to this and thinking, all right, I buy this, what can they do next? What's one, maybe two things that they can go out and do to get the ball rolling? Oh man, all right, I'm trying to limit it down. You can outsource help. First of all, get um, trained professionals, find, you know, I know we have listeners from all over the world. Look for professionals in your community that can really come in and educate your team. Because I think before you don't want to start doing programmatic things and you don't want to start putting initiatives in until you really understand what is mental health and how does it fit into our workplace? Because that's going to be different for every single listener, right? Different industries, different cultures. So you really need to get a grounding for what is it and know that that's going to pay you in dividends. Then the second piece is ask your team what they need. I think before you can do anything and really 
put it into action, you have to know what you're doing and you have to know what your team is looking for. And then the other pieces can follow. What about reaching out to an EAP or would that be covered in your first step? It could, some people have EAPs, some don't. So it could be included in your first step. Some EAPs have great educational programs about behavioral health, some do not. So I always say, just do your research, find out like what are the areas of expertise too. And the other thing I would say is some employees most employees, when I do a training, I talk about employee assistance programs being EAPs, and most people don't even know they have them. So, you know, while you're doing the training and development and getting your feet underneath you, talk about what an EAP is to your team. The assumption that they know or they'll find it is not, not even a reality. And especially with our current time, somebody's needs today versus eight months ago are so different. But I'm a big advocate for EAPs. I always say, I feel like if you have them, market them. If you don't have them, look for them. And I think in many cases too, even at organizations that have them, they could work not only on marketing the EAP, but destigmatizing them as well. Yeah, because uh, so many times the EAP is thought of as a negative, but when you start to unpack what your EAP provides you, I mean, financial, caregiving, respite care, career coaching, like I've heard so many different things that EAPs include, and it's all through third parties, right? Because it's not your employer. It's somebody that your employer has hired, which I don't know if businesses do a great job at marketing that piece either, you know, thinking that oh, people will know it's not our team. Uh, but I think sometimes that takes some of the stigma out of reaching out. Like it's not like I'm talking to someone that's on our HR board or, you know, someone that is in our executive team. I'm talking to somebody outside of our business. And I think that helps to reduce the stigma, but it's also being transparent and saying how people use it, right? Because if nobody hears about positive examples of how people have used EAP, and sometimes this is where I challenge leaders to be really transparent and share some maybe vulnerable moments, maybe sometimes when they needed help to say, you know, I'm really not good at financial planning. So I reached out to our EAP and they set me up with a financial advisor and here's how it worked for me. Or I'm a caregiver. I take care of an aging parent, a family member or a child, and I just needed a day off. And here's how the EAP helped me. Do you recommend any websites? Where can somebody go to start to learn a little bit more about mental health? There are a lot of websites. So you can go, I mean, the World Health Organization has a plethora of resources. There's also Mental Health America. They have several, the National Council for Behavioral Health. There are different websites popping up all the time talking about mental health. So I just say, you know, there's the National Institute for Behavioral Health. So I just say, do your research and make sure, you know, it's a nationally vetted. There are a lot of pop-ups or, you know, smaller entities that might not have as much experience or as many resources. So I say, start with some of the bigger known, and then you can look to what's available to you locally if you are looking to bring in training. And then if someone listening to this on an individual level feels like they're struggling with their mental health, is there an action you would recommend for them to take? There's two, you know, and it's a serious conversation. If someone is thinking about harming themselves or someone else, there's always the suicide prevention hotline. Trained professionals on the backside 24-7. So the phone number is one 800 273 
888-888-8855. That is 24-7. You can call that. There's, like I said, trained professionals. They'll help navigate what's what steps you need to take to keep yourself safe and find resources within your community. There's also resources you can look up warm lines. You can go onto the Mental Health America's webpage and you can actually find a list of warm lines. And these are just lines if you need somebody to talk to. Because let's be honest, sometimes it's hard to unload on friends and family members and we just need somebody to listen. And we can't get into a doctor's office or, you know, we can't see a counselor today. You can call those warm lines and there's people on the backside that can talk to you, provide some resources and kind of be that listening ear that you might need in that moment. I had no idea about that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Anytime. If you had to leave one message to the world about this, I call it the impact statement here on Lead with Impact. What would that impact statement be in regards to this topic? Wow. Uh, one statement you should have imagined if you gave me too much time to think about this, I would have had a whole slogan. I think, you know, when we're talking about mental health and the well, mental health, and I always say wellness, right? Cause it's all of us every day Mental health and wellness in the workplace. If there's one thing I could tell to employers and leaders, it's that you're not alone, right? Everybody's experiencing mental health. Sometimes we're better than other days, but there is help. And if you have to lead by example and be the business that leads by example that other employees and other people in our community want to go to. And I always say lead by example. So I feel like I'm going to end it with lead by example and be proactive. Amazing. If someone wants to learn more about you, Joelle, where can they go? So if they want to learn more about me, they can go. I have a website, joellemonacoconsulting.com. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Fantastic. Joelle, thank you for taking the time. This has been a great conversation, and I think it's going to help people. I appreciate it, and thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing the comments about listeners, and I think everyone can benefit from it, too. 